It was a nail biter to get New Jersey's 2024 budget signed by the June 30th deadline. So what's included in the record $54.3 billion budget? This is the Issues Watch podcast. Hi, I'm Jeff Kazerman, Vice President of Government Relations at the New Jersey Society of CBAs, and welcome to the Issues Watch podcast. In February, Governor Murphy proposed a budget for the 2024 fiscal year, which most business groups, including the NJCPA, uh, applauded as fiscally responsible. However, the budget that was signed into law on June 30th is only receiving tepid praise from business groups with the bright spots being that there are no new taxes and the expiration of the 2.5% corporate business tax surcharge, which will uh, sunset at the end of this year. The final budget is $54.3 billion, which is $1 billion higher than the proposed budget and 7% higher than last year's budget. It includes startup funding for an expensive new property tax relief program for seniors, which is being called Stay NJ. Many are calling it an election year gimmick that is unlikely to ever actually go into effect in 2026, which is the targeted date for benefits to be released. This budget also includes a surplus of $8.3 billion, 11 billion dollars in funding for K through 12 school aid, which is an increase of 832 million from last year. There's a full 7.1 billion dollar pension payment for public sector employees. There's over 2 billion for the anchor property tax relief program. There's also uh, in the area of property tax, a few hundred million as a down payment for the Stay NJ program, which uh, actually won't go into effect until 2026. And at that point, uh, it's projected to cost $1.2 billion annually. Then there's $400 million for the debt defeasance fund. Uh, originally, uh, the governor had proposed $2.35 billion for that fund. And there is an increase in the income limit for the property tax senior freeze the new limit, it's gone from 100000 to 150000 And last but not least, although there are other things in there that are pretty major, there is a doubling of the child tax credit. So joining me today to get into some of the specifics of the budget is John Reitmeyer, the budget and finance writer at NJ Spotlight News. He covers the annual New Jersey budget, the public employee pension system, tax policy, and more. He's been on the podcast before, and he recently served on a roundtable panel at the NJCPA Convention and Expo. Welcome back, John. Thank you. It's great to be with you again. Let's get started. The main difference between the budget that was proposed and the one that was signed, to me at least, it seems, was the inclusion of a major new property tax relief program for seniors. It's called Stay NJ. It was added at the insistence of Assembly Speaker Coughlin and Senate President Scutari, with the governor originally calling it unsustainable, a boon for the wealthy, 
and a threat to sunsetting the CBT surcharge. In the end, they all compromised on a slimmed down version of Stay New Jersey. Can you tell us a little bit about Stay NJ? Yeah, sure. And I think it's it's smart to highlight that as a key difference between what the governor proposed and what we ended up getting as a final budget, because that also slowed down the process itself because they were negotiating sort of the contours of this new program that the legislative leaders wanted to create that Murphy initially had some reluctance to sign on to. And, and, and basically, as you alluded to, um, Stay NJ in the short term is really just a savings program on the state side of things um, before it could eventually grow into a new uh, state-funded property tax relief offering for homeowners age 65 and older um, down the road. And so it, for the first few years, the state is socking away money to, to in, in, um, in, envision seeding what would be a major new offering that could fund what have been promised as relief benefits that could have the property tax bill for many senior homeowners, although there will be an income ceiling in the final version, at, at least as, as was um, written into law um, at the end of June, um, and would also be a cap on the maximum allowable uh, benefit that a senior could receive if, if they meet that income eligibility, which they set at 500,000 in annual income and 6,500 in, in maximum uh, annual benefits, but not until 2026. So I, I was very careful in my coverage of this not to give the impression it's some immediate yeah. uh, tax uh, offering for seniors because this is quite a ways down the road. Um, and there are some questions about um, whether the state will be able to, to, to meet this commitment at the same time, we've got a bunch of other things happening uh, on the revenue and spending side of the budget. So it's, it's an ambition right now for lawmakers. Um, it is a slimmed down version. They originally proposed something that was uncapped um, in terms of annual income and had a, a higher annual benefit that would be allowed at 10,000 so that that's no longer the case. Um, and you know, for the first few years, it'll be setting aside money to fund these benefits, and then we'll get into the, you know, the meat of it starting in 2026 if we get there. And they also have this challenging task of trying to deliver these as direct credits on property tax bills rather than make seniors pay property taxes out of pocket, which is a big issue for many seniors. Um, they like to get the reimbursements through programs like Senior Freeze, but they always have to pay out of pocket oh. and then wait for those reimbursements, which can be a big lift for seniors on a fixed income as you know, as many of you know. So um, that's another thing that they're going to try to accomplish in the ensuing years, um, as well as sort of streamlining the application process, which right now there are many different programs yeah. that seniors can qualify for. So they definitely got their work cut out for them, but they gave themselves a little bit of, of a runway to achieve it. Right. I hope they fix that, streamline it by the time uh, I'm eligible for all these uh, senior things. Uh, one last question on state, NJ. Um, there's a $500,000 income limit, like you said, and which kind of surprised me. That seems really high for a legislature and governor that are fairly liberal and progressive groups were not happy about this being so high. So what are people saying? Why is it so high? Was it uh, is there a policy reason or it's because of the elections? I, I personally don't get it. 
No, I think that's a really good question to raise sort of in the aftermath. And, you know, yes, as you as you noted, I think um, we've heard groups uh, come out already that say this will ultimately result in the biggest benefits going to those with the most expensive properties. And they tend to could also be those with the highest annual incomes. Um, that said, the, the assembly speaker uh, put this program out initially as a proposal that was, again, had no income cap. And so uh, the, the income ceiling for the anchor program, which is also relatively new, will be entering its second year under this fiscal year budget. Um, that has an income ceiling of 250,000. Senior freeze program was down around 100,000 and is now getting increased as part of this final stay NJ um, initiative that, that was launched. Uh, so where to put that? You know, the, the assembly speaker had been making the case that seniors of all income levels uh, have paid their dues in New Jersey. And so um, we, sh we shouldn't necessarily uh, view this maybe in the same way as some of the, the other programs. Um, you know, and the idea also, if it is to keep uh, people in New Jersey who might be, be considering leaving because of high property tax bills, perhaps there are high net worth seniors, you know, eyeing places like Florida where they can live yeah. with, with zero uh, income tax liability. So, you know, perhaps it's aimed, you know, recognizing also that a big share of the budget is funded through the income tax and a large share of the income tax is funded by high earners due to the right. struct, you know, the higher rates, the higher effective rates that high earners pay. So perhaps there's some design um, as well in trying to keep those high net worth seniors in New Jersey. And so you, you maybe have a more generous income ceiling to accomplish that. Okay, that, that makes sense. Um, so in addition, you spoke about, uh, touched on anchor, but um, so in addition to putting aside money for Stay NJ, the budget also contains about $2 billion for the second year of the anchor uh, tax relief program. So uh, can you give us a refresher on what's in the anchor program? I, I myself, am, there's just too many property tax relief programs floating around. What's in that one? Yeah, no, we've been hearing a lot of that type of concern lately, for sure. So Anchor is really the um, successor program to Homestead, which um, many people probably were aware of and have been around for well over a decade in New Jersey, um, which uh, funds what initially were direct credits. Well, initially there were rebates, then they became direct credits. Now they're back to being checks or direct deposits. Uh, it depends on income and whether you're a homeowner and a renter, and the renter component recognizes the, the fact that a lot of renters do pay property taxes indirectly um, through their, their, their monthly rents. Um, and so if we, if we start on the renter side, uh, the benefit is $450 for anyone who makes up to 150,000 annually. Um, you know, getting into the weeds a little bit because Homestead was on a, a backlog, the anchor program debuted based on residency and income from 2019. So you had to have your old tax form handy when you filled out the application. Um, it looks like 2020 is that this second year of anchor will be based off of 2020 income and residency. So the inc so again, 450 for renters, but a new wrinkle under this um, agreement on senior property tax relief that came together at the end of June is a, a $250 increase for senior renters. So and any anyone 65 and older who rents, uh, but has income under 150, up to 150,000 will now get 700. And going over to the homeowner side, um, 
up to 200, you get up to 150,000, you get a $1,500 benefit. And uh, between 150 and 250,000 in annual income, again, this will be based on what you, where you lived and what you earned in 2020. Um, the, the benefit is $1,000, but that same $250 sweetener that was offered for seniors on the renter side is also being offered to seniors on the homeowner side, which would push that max benefit up to $1,750 for a senior homeowner um, who, who's under $150,000 in annual income. So um, that's sort of the update um, and that came along with the renewal of Anchor for a second year. Um, the state didn't quite get the participation it thought it was going to get in the first year, mostly on the renter side. I think the homeowner participation was yeah. right, right around where they thought. Um, so they're going to try to make a bigger effort to reach out to renters this time around. Um, again, these are direct deposits or or checks um, to, to you know to, to offset property taxes paid. Um, in this case, it would be 2020. So these, uh, you know, anchor and uh, stay NJ, uh, you know, which are expensive uh, programs, um, are in the budget, and there are other hefty items in the budget: K through 12 funding, the pension payment. So. Uh, a lot of uh, public policy thinkers, thought leaders, bipartisan, um, are warning that even though the budget includes a large surplus of $8.3 billion, um, they're expressing concern over the state's long-term fiscal st stability. Uh, in particular, the uh, budget and economic uh, experts with the Rowan University Sweeney Center for public policy uh, re released a report on this concern. I think it was in early or mid-June. Can you tell us a little bit about that report? Yeah, sure. I, I can do my best on, on that one. I've, I've written about it. Um, and it's, it's basically a uh, long range. It's the type of projections that the state never releases, whether they, they do it, um, whether an administration does it sort of in-house or not. But it's a long range projection of both expenditure trends and revenue trends. And so they have a very credible group of, you know, former budget officials from the Department of Treasury, uh, a former state chief economist, people who have done this type of exercise for real within state government are now doing it sort of from the outside and trying to take a long range look when the budget is done each year in Trenton. It's always a one year budget. Um, and it's always done in this sort of uh, hustle to get to the the June 30th deadline with a lot of competing interests at, at play, including this year as there were um, disagreements initially over boosting senior property tax relief. And so what the Sweeney Center's uh, fiscal policy working group tried to do is take it away from, from sort of that one-year rush that we see in Trenton and, and broaden it out and, and do a realistic look at projected expenditures um, going out five years and, and also where, where they foresee the economy and revenues going. And unfortunately, they did a few different scenarios, but in their most likely scenario, they did see gaps of several uh, billion dollars annually starting up as early as the 2025 fiscal year. So that would be the budget that will have just been enacted around this time next year. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's troubling uh, on one hand um, to see that where, the, where those projections go. Uh, as you noted, um, spending is up 
um, pretty significantly or you know over in the in the last in the the new budget just enacted on June 30th it was a seven percent year over year increase budget to budget so not at the budget that was enacted um, July 1 a year ago versus the budget that goes into effect July 1 this year um, it's a seven percent annual increase which is higher than the rate of inflation um, and, and and includes more than a billion that lawmakers added on at the very last minute reason that's important to highlight is at this just a few weeks before the Murphy administration had lowered projections for the new fiscal year um, by about a billion dollars. And so on one hand, you had lowered your projection by a billion. On the other hand, they added a billion in spending. And so mm. um, if you look at the, the, the budget numbers, in, in effect, what happened is there was a big plan to do more um, ret debt retirement. So New Jersey has a, yes. lot of bond, a lot of bonded debt. And so one of the ideas would be more than two billion would be set aside to do more debt retirement or funding more projects on a pay-as-you-go basis, especially in this interest rate environment. That was whittled all the way down to 400. So yes, yeah. That's a that's a big trade-off. Um, and then the size of the surplus had been projected to get up around 10 billion. As you noted, now it's a little over 8 billion, which is a still a pretty significant backstop for a 54 and change billion dollar budget. But the, the, the key is that there was an imbalance at that point between projected revenues and projected expenditures in the 2024 fiscal year, the, the one that just started on July 1. And so um, when you have that type of an of a imbalance and you're using surplus or one-time resources to, to make your spending, to get enough revenue to match up with your spending ambitions, Certainly, that creates an imbalance. That if you play that out three, four, or five years in a row, you 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 go through your surplus, um, and and then you're in a much more difficult position, one that New Jersey was in not too many years ago. And so that is definitely a key issue to watch going forward. It's a concern that Republicans who are in the minority in both houses have been raising in in the final days bef before the budget adoption is, um, you know, New Jersey's now back into this position of spending more than a billion, a pretty big amount of money then um, they project to take in an annual revenues. And so, um, yeah, certainly that's a key, key concern about this budget, um, you know, in, in the aftermath of its adoption. So soon we'll be back to what I'm used to, not, <laughs> not billions and billions and billions of dollars in uh, surplus and excess. And what do we do with the money? We'll get back to the way it usually is, not only in New Jersey, but every state. I think it's most states. Uh, yeah, let's let's see how it plays out. I mean, the first few months of the last fiscal year were way they did way way better than they thought they were going to do. Really, the first six months, it really wasn't until they hit the the turn in the calendar year when things started to to go kind of in the other direction. They still finished net negative net positive above their original projections, so they just softened from a, a higher. Um, a higher ceiling than they once envisioned. So we'll see. I mean, there's who knows. I I know there have been recession projections now going back over a year. Yeah, that yeah, we haven't yeah. seen yet. So they could beat these projections, and it could all come in line, and they they could get uh, enough revenue to cover. They could ultimately get enough to cover their planned expenditures. But just you know, on day one of the budget, they did have that gap, um, pretty sizable, um, and that puts more pressure on revenues because if obviously if revenues do come up softer. Then that projection, then that gap gets even bigger, and you have to spend even more of your surplus, which is again is a one-time source of funding, and not like you would typically want to see annual revenues line up with annual expenditures. Right. Or at least state government tries to do that. I yes. Don't know. <laughs> yes. 
yes. uses that's still a, me, a good measuring stick for state government. Right, doesn't apply to the federal government for sure. Um, so mo some of the most specific criticism of the budget was not about what was in the budget or is in the budget, but the process in which it was passed. So many groups, members of the media and lawmakers uh, complained that the process was not transparent and that there was little or no time or opportunity for, for them to view the budget or provide input. input. Can you uh, shed some light on these complaints? Yeah, and I think, you know, in some ways, when you have a constitutional deadline to enact a budget, it, it creates that urgency. Um, and some years it comes together sooner than later. The last few years, it's been coming together later than late, <laughs> later than usual. Uh, this year in committee, so, you know, without getting too far into the weeds, um, when a bill goes through committee, the, the state constitution requires it to kind of rest for a day before it can go before both full houses. And so that creates a deadline um, when you're running up to that June 30th date to have a new fiscal year budget passed by midnight for the start of the, the July 1 fiscal year. That really creates a deadline to get a bill through committee. And this year, lawmakers wrote, went right up against that deadline with very little margin for error. And so as a result, um, and some of this was apparently because the governor and the legislative leaders reached an agreement on that senior property tax relief initiative we talked about earlier on, uh, including some of those other changes like the extra money for anchor for seniors. So that happened right. late, late in the game this year. Um, and that was a big, big piece of the budget agreement because it had the potential to really blow up the 2024 fiscal year budget if it hadn't been, you know, if the if the big expenditures hadn't been pushed off into future years as, as was the end result. And so part of the challenge this year was that came late in the game. Um, I think part of the challenge too is people, um, even lawmakers may not recognize the, the task that it is for staffers yeah. to, to take a, what's really a 300 page agreement and turn it into legislation that becomes law. Um, that you ideally don't have to fix with cleanup bills and the other types of things we've seen in Trenton in recent years. Last year, for example, they rushed so much that the they got the date wrong on on the the new child tax credit that was created last year and, and which tax year it was supposed to be applicable to for the first time, and they had to fix that uh, a few weeks or months later. So um, this year, they they um, the the key thing that uh, you know sent off the transparency alarms was. The final draft of the budget bill itself wasn't made public um, before the votes happened in committee to move it to both full houses by that June 30th deadline. And so certainly no member of the public would have been able to take a 300 page bill, read oh, yeah. it, read it and testify on it with any sort of um, informed testimony. But in this case, Sometimes that bill comes out just before those committee hearings are held. In this case, not only was the bill not released or made public on the legislative website, Republicans on the committee also said they hadn't seen a final copy. Um, the, the nonpartisan staffers distribute document like summary or synopsis documents called score sheets. We found errors on those when they were first shared with reporters. Um, but also the public testimony, because they were so close up against that midnight deadline, was shelved altogether. So certainly 
New Jersey's budget process will never win awards for sort of transparency or good government just in the way that it works in the final days before the it typically works in the final days before right. the deadline. But this year with a with a final spending bill um, not being available before that committee vote, uh, with public testimony being canceled altogether on the final bill with again, which were more than a billion dollars in, in added spending. Um, you know, this year, certainly the transparency, um, you know, anyone who was hoping for improvement on the transparency side, it, it went in the other direction. Um, I've covered the budget since the mid, mid to late 2000s. Um, some years are better than others. And this year was definitely one where the, the rushed process, transparency and sort of openness, you know, we even had members of the, the Senate Budget Committee where I was sitting uh, late on the night it went through committee. Um, who had left for the night and under legislative rules, they just left their vote. So they left a vote in favor of right. a bill that wasn't even available. Um, <laughs> to, so, you know, it, now by the time it went through both houses up, you know, hours before that June 30th deadline, there, there was a full budget bill available to be reviewed and those score sheets had been, had been updated. Um, at, at that said, no one from the public can testify during floor votes. So right. that op that opportunity had gone away. So certainly that's where you hear this outcry about um, public access and transparency. And even, you know, without belaboring this too far, lawmakers are supposed to fill out what are called budget resolutions, written documents that request the added spending, create have some justification for it, and also a, dis um, a sign off that they don't have any, or they would have to disclose any personal or business ties to a recipient of, of added funding. And those are still not out. Um, mm. for, for the, the budget that went into effect on July 1. We're still waiting to see those budget resolutions. So certainly, um, definitely still some transparency questions about the way this one came together. So somewhat related to the budget uh, was passage of the bill that uh, the NJCPA drafted uh, in conjunction with the New Jersey Business and Industry Association. And this was the bill that would make the 400 plus page New Jersey Annual Comprehensive Financial Report, easier to obtain and understand and to make it more useful to lawmakers and the public. So can you tell us a little bit about what the bill does and what you're here and what you're hearing, if anything, about whether whether the governor will sign it? Yeah, this is another one that I just wrote about coming out of um the adoption of the budget is among, as you mentioned, that a lot of bills get sent to the governor's desk at the end of June. Um, the state doesn't technically have a hiatus. The legislature doesn't go on a technical, like a, it's not written into law that they have right. to take a break, but usually the budget deadline is the informal kickoff to the summer season for lawmakers where things kind of grind, grind to a halt in Trenton, especially in an election year like this year. I don't anticipate them doing too, too much consequential work over the summer. Um, that said, one of the important, what I viewed as an important piece of legislation that did make it to the finish line uh, in the final weeks of June was this bill to take the, the annual um, comprehensive financial report, like the, the audit, the, the state's basically annual audit, and to, to make it, uh, put it into a more user-friendly and plain language, uh, make a version that's more user-friendly and plain language. So the average person, the average lawmaker who might not have a financial background can sort of take away from it some of the, the, um, 
most pertinent information. A lot of times in recent years, I've been writing when the, when the report comes out about the state's debt figures, both bonded debt and non-bonded debt, which includes the public worker pension fund liabilities, because those have been um, two of the bigger issues for New Jersey over the last several years is, you know, it's the, the size of the debt service in the annual budget, um, as well as the, the, the growth in the unfunded liability that was that was really um, accrued up until just recently when the state's been making its full employer contributions. Um, you know, New Jersey still has a huge unfunded liability. And so the good news is as, as there's been efforts to, to whittle down the bonded debt and to, to make full pension contributions, we've seen the numbers improve a little bit. And this report, when it comes out, it just this is just an example of the type of information that's in it. This report shows some of that improvement, um, even if lawmakers don't really pay attention to when it comes out or when if, even if they know when it comes out, may not necessarily know how to decipher the different, um, you know, num facts and figures that are in the report in, it, in its current format. Lawmakers and let alone uh, the public. And so a lot of this information might be important for the public to understand as well. It really gives you a view of the state's financial position from year to year, any big changes in any key problem areas or any areas in fairness where there's been some improvement. And so what this bill does is it would require the state auditor to draft uh, a, a user-friendly version of this financial report every year. Um, I think also uh, important to note is also the, the report, the state auditor would have to come before lawmakers on an right. annual basis and go over the the latest, you know, it's almost like your annual checkup um, and, you know, go look under the hood and get using some metaphors here, but, you know, to, to go over what's changed, there are some new requirements written into the legislation as well related to putting New Jersey's condition in the context of regional peers. So is New Jersey experiencing something that other states are experiencing and that explains it, or are we an outlier? And if we are, why, um, you know, I think there's some good information as someone who's kind of a, you know, public finance nerd. Um, there's definitely some good information that that I will like to see now published annually. Um, but for people who are more casual um, observers of the state's finances, um, this will this will be a good way, you know, very accessible, seemingly a very accessible way to 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 check on the financial status of the state. Um, and you and putting things like, you know, this new Stay NJ initiative and the affordability of it, you could put it in context a little bit. Okay, you know, what is the state's current um, debt and, and pension liabilities and, and other challenges? And, and do we, is it affordable for the state to launch it as, as um, well-meaning as maybe as helping seniors on fixed incomes? Is it something that's affordable? And, and how do you take that um, goal and put it in the context of other financial challenges and then for policymakers to sort of say like okay what's our priority here so if this could help that exercise um then that would be part of it as well we're, we're waiting on the governor right now mm. uh, to see um where he goes with this uh it's been it's been approved by both houses and is now sitting on the governor's desk and he has you know quite a while now um again i don't know when the the legislature will come back to um, hold another session. The governor has usually 45 days from the time it gets to his desk to take action. And then there's some rules about, you know, 
It can be longer if the House of Origin of the bill hasn't held a session yet. So we'll see how it plays out right. timing wise. Um, but it's one of the things I'll be watching now as we head into the summer months is, um, is Murphy going to, to sign this or CV it perhaps? Or, you know, it is one of those things where we just came out of that difficult stretch of how this last budget was enacted um, with little transparency, at least at the end. Um, in this case, this is lawmakers doing something that would really improve the transparency. And in some ways, in a more meaningful way, because we always focus so much on just that one fiscal year, the budget right, is 12 right. months. This is really a status update on the, the, you know, on the current financial condition for the state. So looking at things beyond just the one-year spending plan, looking at things like bonded debt, non-bonded debt, outside agencies and authorities. So it really um, has the potential to improve for those who are seeking this stuff out, right? And I'll be writing about it. Um, it does be good for you, right? Make your life easier. It, it will give me sort of a, a cheat sheet to work off of. Um, certainly it'll shorten the time I, I take crunching numbers myself. If, if the state auditor has sort of done, done that homework for me, <laughs> I'll probably check his math, but that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, John, thank you for joining us again. You're welcome. Uh, and I am sure that we'll have you on in the near future. It's always a pleasure. Same here. Absolutely. Thanks for listening and watching. Read more about the budget at njcpa.org slash njbudget. And read and watch updates from John and his NJ Spotlight News colleagues at njspotlightnews.org. I recommend, highly recommend that you subscribe to their daily newsletter. It's a must read for me every day. Thank you.